<laughs> I was pooping bricks on that one. <laughs> Man, oh. I, I was really worried when they took Malik Beasley out because... Oh, hang on. I forgot to add all these guys. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Sorry. I thought you guys couldn't hear me again. So uh, <laughs> I was scared that they took Malik Beasley out. They kept moving or uh, showing him on the camera, and he looked pissed. And I thought, man, your leading scorer at that point, uh, yeah, he, he actually was a leading scorer. Jordan Clarkson surpassed him barely. Then he hit those free throws. But it, it's like, well, uh, I'm so glad that that coach put him back in because I just feel like that would have been a blow to him and what he was doing the last two games. He hits six threes tonight, 42% from the free throw or the three-point line, and then he shoots 10 for 18, uh, 55% from the field goal and 100% free throw. He's he's just in the groove right now. He's in the zone, and then you've got. Jordan Clarkson, who really struggled tonight and was able to just turn it on right when you needed it. And we've talked a few times on this podcast how, you know, we don't know if we have a guy that can finish games out or or get us a bucket towards the end. Last night we see Lowry, I'm going to call him a Lowry bird now, uh, making a, a, a clutch bucket. Jordan Clarkson tonight, even though he has an off night, I... An off night for Jordan Clarkson is is 28 points. Uh, shoots 43% from the field goal and 28% from the three. So really, he was off from the three-point line. Crazy game as far as injuries with Mike Conley doesn't come back. Dame Lillard cramps up, doesn't come back. <clears throat> but I honestly felt like that was the point when Portland really came alive is once Damian Lillard left. Um, Damian Lillard, let's see what he shot. Where are you, Dame? <clears throat> he shot two for 14, 14%, and uh, threes, one for 12. I've I've never seen Damian shoot that bad. It helped us, but, uh, I, you know, we lost a guy in Mike Conley, which you could tell down the stretch really, really uh, affected us tonight. I thought THT was the guy that that can run the po- that could run the point and be a little bit more composed than Sexton. Uh, you had Clarkson run it at times and have his ball in the hand in his hands, which I actually think helped him uh, hit those big three pointers down the stretch and those big shots down the stretch. Just being the point guard with the ball in your hands and having the the ball instead of having to work to try and get it. But uh man, let's let's pass this over. I've got two speakers. Let's go with Tevin first and then we'll pass it over to Dallin. If any of you other guys uh or gals wanna wanna speak on here, go for it. And uh before we get too far into this episode, I wanna give a shout out to our Finland listeners. We've got Finland, there's a a, a fan base or a listener base growing in Finland. Uh, and then France and Germany follow close behind it, so we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you're listening to this, probably a, a later time, not live, but uh, thanks for listening. So, uh, Tevin, let's go to you. Uh, give us your thoughts, man. Straight off the bat, if Dame knocks at least 
maybe a fourth, if not a third or half of his shots down, I don't think we win this game at all. Yeah. It it was a blessing that he he didn't (laughs) didn't hit those. That he was... I I agree. I've never sh- seen Dame shoot that bad. I was like, oh, he's missed like three or four threes. Okay, he's just uh, like we still need to stay on him. As soon as he makes one, we're done for. Um, but then I heard he was like zero for eight or something like that. And I'm like, he's zero for eight, really? Yeah, an off night for the man. Goodness sake! The one he shot that he hit was what one for twelve or two for twelve or something like that. Yeah, he still he still ended with thirteen points, most of them coming from the free throw line, eight of them. But he he did hit that three point shot after halftime, which kind of yeah. got me worried. So yeah, yeah, uh, and and I don't even know how he played against Brooklyn. I know they lost to the buzzer with Royce O'Neal tipping it in uh, the game before which, this. Uh, Royce, on, Royce on that one. That was I watched the highlight of him doing it. That was awesome. But, yeah, no, Dame yeah. was shooting pretty well, if I remember correctly. I saw some of the highlights of that game. He was shooting at least decently, I feel like. So, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like since he's come back, they've, they've lost more than – I mean, they were on a pretty hot streak. So, I, I even tweeted out, it, and I felt crazy tweeting it, is are these – Portland Trailblazers better without Damian. I think it kind of lit them because, you know, he took 12, 14. I mean, he took he took a lot of shots, so you got to think these other guys are getting frustrated when he's not making those. Yeah, I think I think Nurkic was mentally was probably like, "All right, Dame is out." Like I would assume Nur- uh, the team probably heard it was like, "Hey, Dame's out." Like it's next man up. Let's just keep this going. Let's win by committee at this point. And Nurk would, I wonder if Nurkic in those situations, cause he's kind of the next, the next leader. I want to say, I wonder if he's like, all right, guys, let's, let, let's pull together. Let's get this done. Follow me. Let's get, let's get going. I wonder if, I wonder if that's the mentality or if it's just a, a true win by committee type of mentality. I don't know. Well, looking at the box score and even pregame, I feel like, the Blazers are really well constructed. Everything, as far as points, looks pretty even. You got Josh Hart with 19. Jeremy Grant scores 14. Nurkic scores 18. Uh, Simons scores 23. He was their leading scorer. And when he was getting hot, I was I was worried about that too. Lillard, 13. Eubanks, 13. And then you got... Uh, little that came off the bench i think he hit a few big three-pointers with eight so like they're they're a well-rounded team once they get gary payton in there too uh i mean yeah he's gonna wreak havoc i mean they're gonna be a tough matchup for anybody um i I, I guarantee you if we had lost this game highlights would have been of uh freaking eubanks and his what was you say like 13 (laughs) points or whatever he had man goodness sake he was he went off against us, man. Between Olenek and and Market, and just getting some rebounds and and put putbacks, it was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, and uh, Kessler, I've been high on him. I just he's not there. I, I think he's almost taken a step backwards from the beginning of the season. But uh, Olenek just banging underneath with Nurkic all night. Like Nurkic is a big dude compared to Olenek. And um, Olenek was able to pick up a charge, but you can tell how bad we need someone defensively for big guys, especially, you know, the Embiid, the Sixers game with Embiid. 
and then you got Porzingis. So that's that's a whole. Nurkic is a big guy because I I still remember Rudy face stuff against him, and the, like I think Rudy was yeah about an inch or two taller than him, but like just as big, if not possibly bigger. I feel like yeah, because I feel like Nurkic is what two sixty something like that, two fifty. Like he's not like he's a big man, so. Yeah, he's a big yeah, dude, and his trouble is staying healthy. But I mean, he, I feel like he could be so dominant. Um, Dallin, let's pass it over to you. What what stood out to you besides <laughs> those last shots by Jordan Clarkson? There's a lot of moments, but I know <laughs> once we get to the fourth quarter and in those those uh, critical minutes and the closing minutes, uh, you tend to forget other things. So maybe you can help us out. Yeah, um, Malik Beasley keeping us in the game with hitting his shots, he actually was the leading scorer by one point. Um, that guy has been on fire for the last, I, honestly, like when he touches the ball and shoots it from the three, I just wanted to, I just wanted to jack it up every time. It looks so pure. Yes. Yeah. And, um, geez, uh, who else? Uh, Jordan Clarkson. I mean, obviously like with the way he closed out the game, like, he struggled. I mean, he struggled for the first three quarters and just keep, you know, plugging away and eventually, you know, especially if, you know, I don't know when Mike Conley went out um, that, you know, the team could have fell apart then. And they, you know, group, group back together. Taylor Horton Tucker did well filling in for him. Um, I, I feel like Colin Sexton had a few plays where, you know, he kind of slowed down and calmed down and, didn't go balls to the walls crazy. Um, Lori Market, another solid game. He had a double double. Jeez, um, ah, just so, so many things. It's it, really exciting just to see them perform so well on a back to back on the road. Um, yeah, it tells me a lot about this team. So. Yeah, I think it does. Like you said, it easily could have fallen apart when Mike Conley came out, and for them to somehow figure this out, you know. Uh, Malik Beasley comes out at the end, and I'm thinking, okay, you got to keep him in, but who do you take out? Either Clarkson or THT, and they didn't do either one of those. They took out Olenek and then put Malik Beasley in for Olenek, which we went small ball, and I thought, if I'm the Blazers, I put Nurkic back in and get me some easy buckets. Cause That's what I was afraid of. Oh, my goodness. No, big shout-out to Will Hardy for reading the room because the Blazers were – getting momentum when Kelly Olenek and Nurchik were going at it. And Will Hardy's like, all right, Kelly, sit down for a minute because we need to settle this down. Uh, just big props to Will Hardy there. Well, uh, speaking of Will Hardy, he's on, so give me a second. I'm going to turn the mic over to him. It's our daily or our our, uh, our new rituals, listening to Coach. Stuck with it, hung in, had a great second quarter, went into halftime with the lead, um, came out, played very well early in the third. Um, and then in the second half, the Blazers, as all good NBA teams do, they made their run, and their home crowd got into it, and they put a lot of pressure on us, and our guys responded, and we had a lot of big plays made down the stretch by a lot of people. Um, I thought Jordan, down the stretch of the game, uh, made some really, really big plays. Um, I thought Lowry was was outstanding tonight. They drew a lot of a, you know, he drew a lot of attention. Um, he did a very good job playing physically through a lot of contact um made made some good decisions for us um and then obviously bees off the bench 
was huge, um, scoring 29 points, a lot of big shots. Um, those free throws at the end were big. Um, but somebody in particular, I think, that, that really stepped up tonight was Taylor. Um, you know, Mike going down, you never want to see that leaving the game. Um, and I thought Taylor, his defense first was very good on, uh, on Damian Lillard. Did a great job setting the tone for us and uh, really settled us down and ran the team well um, during his minutes. So very happy for Taylor. Um, you know, he, he works really hard and uh, for him to step up in that moment, um, not easy to do. And he delivered for us. Um, at the moment, we are awaiting the results on some further imaging, um, but he's in very good spirits and walking around and um, very hopeful. I thought that second group was playing well. It was the second night of a back-to-back, -back, and so made the decision to try to steal any minutes possible for he and Mike. Um, Talon was playing well, so I told Mike, hey, this group keeps playing well. You might not go back in. It's the second night of a back-to-back -back and want you to have some legs for the second half. Um, same thing with Lowry. It was just uh, I thought that group had some good mojo at the moment, and, uh, you know, those guys exert a lot of energy on both ends, so it was more trying to play the long game for the second half. Taylor's kind of been a recurring theme throughout this year, so I guess what did you see out of him? Beyond what you brought up already in terms of his, I guess, kind of capacity to keep things steady, taking over for Mike down the stretch. Yeah, I think it, it, for me it's just the general poise that he played with um, on the road, second night of a back-to-back. -back, their team's making a run. Their crowd's going crazy, and, you know, he didn't flinch. He just stayed the course and executed what we wanted to do, um, continued to play hard defensively for us. Um, and, and just stepped up. Like, those moments are are hard when you're on the road um, and when you're thrust into a role that you haven't had yet this season um, to close the game. So I thought just his general poise um, throughout the second half was remarkable. Game gets tight down the stretch, and Jordan really seemed to kind of take it upon himself to kind of take over in a few moments. I think he had the table basket turn yeah, Jordan wanted the ball. Um, Jordan has made a lot of really good decisions for us closing games. Um, we had experienced a game where Mike didn't play against Memphis earlier in the year, and Jordan made a lot of really good decisions down the stretch. And so um, Portland was switching at the time, and we felt like if we gave Jordan proper spacing, that he could make some good decisions and have the ability to attack, you know, for himself or for a teammate, depending on what the defense showed him. Um, I, I really just love the fact that he mixed it up down the stretch. He didn't just settle for jump shots over, over a big. He drove the ball very well, um, got to the basket, um, hit a pull-up or a little mini fadeaway in the middle of the, the paint, um, hit the three ball. He did a good job showing his, uh, his full ability on the offensive end. Um, so I, I just think that his experience really, really showed in those moments. Taylor, I'm mean, talked a little bit about it before with kind of his his vision and his ability to distribute. Tonight it seemed like he was getting off the ball quicker. Mm -hmm. We were talking about kind of making decisions like one step quicker. We're not 
were you surprised to see? Because it seemed like yesterday was still one step slow, and today, like in a big moment. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's similar to the conversation that we had about Colin pregame. You know, the progress doesn't move in a straight line. There's a little bit of up and down. And, you know, I think it was three games ago, Talon had 10 assists. Um, and then he had a couple games where he maybe overran that point of decision a little bit. And I think tonight he, you know, he's, he's been watching a lot of film and working on it a ton. And I think it, it clicked a little bit tonight. Um, he knows that it's an ongoing process because we... We, we do think that Talon, uh, you know, along with Colin, they have such an ability to put pressure on a defense one-on-one -on -one because they're hard to keep out of the paint. And so we're just continuing to work on their decision-making, and they're very bought into, you know, trying to get their teammates shots when they can um, and using their their gift or their, their strength um, for the betterment of the team. So... Again, just really happy for, for Talon tonight to step up in a big game like that um, in a moment where we needed him, and uh, he delivered for us. Coach did say that uh, they're waiting for some more imaging on Mike Conley, but said he was in good spirits. I think this was uh, would go to, to that point. Let's go, huge W. Mike Conley tweeting from the locker room. Hashtag take note. Um, <laughs> Will Hardy also, Mike, talking a lot about how the bench kept them in, in this game, especially early. Looks like Mike Conley is on the good old tweeter. Uh, it, 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 it. <laughs> So as coach was talking about the the minutes Mike Conley played and then you had that second group that was hot, I, I looked over at the box score. Mike only got nine minutes, and he had three assists, zero points, and one rebound. So, like, take this win for what it is, but that's that's another huge point that we haven't even hit on yet is Mike Conley – was really not that big a factor in this game. We won the game essentially without Mike Conley in my mind. Um, I don't think he he stood out a ton. Obviously, maybe he, had, he got the offense going a few times, but like Coach said, THT takes over the point guard position, and the crowd is loud. I mean, they, they took the, the lead at one point in the fourth quarter and, and were able to pull it off, so... Uh, huge there. I want to get to comments real quick. And Dallin says, uh, Damian Lillard was negative 17 to lead the Blazers in plus minus. So, uh, that's kind of goes to my point where I felt that the trailblazers were a little bit better with him without him tonight. And then Lalo at Jasmine underscore 12 says that's basketball. You're damn right. That's basketball. That is basketball, and it, it continues to become more and more addicting. The more that this team wins, because I mean, we we lose three in a row, and then <clears throat> I really had these these games circled with Phoenix and Portland. Uh, one, they're in the Western Conference, but they're also atop the Western Conference with us, and so I thought these these two games were huge, and to be able to pull them off was massive to show us and the league that we are legitimate. And uh, I know a lot of people are, are saying that they still want to tank, which just doesn't make sense to me. But um, we've got a, a lot of new people in here uh, listening. If you guys want to speak, go ahead and request. While we were uh, listening to Coach, Armani came on. I, I uh, 
accepted you to to speak. But Dallin, did you have anything else to say? I know that you got cut off. You you always seem to get cut off by coach. Hey, if I get cut off by him, I'm okay with that. (laughs) As long as he keeps winning. The second unit, I think that's the story of the game, second unit, man. The Taylor Horton Tucker obviously coach touched on that, so yeah. But yeah, no, turn the time over to Armani. Armani, it's all yours. I I really do think our second unit is so strong. Where, where uh, that walk off interview by Malik says, you know, we all feel like we're starters, and I don't think he's the only one. I I had that thought tonight as well, um, especially when we came out slow, and I just thought, man. It always feels like once our second unit comes in, that's when we really kick things into gear. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think at one point, the the to that point, our bench uh, to their bench, it was like a score. Uh, the difference was like thirty-seven to like eight or something like that, something in the, in that neighborhood. And I think it was at uh, halftime. So I don't know what the, what the difference is here at the end of the game, but like just to that point, like our bench is is. I didn't think it was going to be that deep, but all, clearly it is that deep. And it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and it gives Coach a lot of flexibility depending on what the matchups are, what he's wanting to do. Um, exactly like the last the last few minutes, three minutes, I think Malik came in and we went small ball, which, you know, the counter for that could have been Nurkic come in and, and just go to town again. So, Armani, uh, welcome again and take it away. How y'all doing, guys? Uh, I, I, I have a weird thing when I was watching the game. We don't have a go-to lineup. We, uh, I, I struggle to sit there and try to figure out what our go-to lineup is. Um, I get, I, I understand, like you know, when when we go into the um, the last, you know, clutch minutes, like about four minute, the four minute marker in the fourth quarter, we throw in that, you know, that Mike Conley, the the Mike Beasley, JC Lowry, and Olenek. But like other than that, that's cool. But like when the when the when the offense is looking shaky and the lead is not looking too good, our bitch our bitch does a great job. But like I feel like we lit up leads in in weird spots of the games, and I don't I can't really I can't really explain. It. <clears throat> it's weird. It's weird watching it. Yeah, I I think it's partially. Um like to our advantage because other teams don't know who we're going to be finishing. Um, but it can be a detriment as well, just because like you said, you don't know who the ball is going to go to. Um, I, I, I think it's so early with this team that we're probably still trying to figure it out. My feel for coach is that he, he likes the veterans as far as Olenek, Markinen, uh Clarkson and uh, Conley. Uh, and then you can kind of swap out maybe Vanderbilt or somebody that's hot. So I, I I like tonight he tried it. He put in all the vets with five minutes and it, it just didn't work. And then thank God he put uh, Malik Beasley back in. But uh, I think as the season goes along, we'll we'll start getting to know who those guys are. I think these two games are really big in figuring that out with Larry Markinen. Last night, hitting a big shot. I think he's going to be one of those guys that's always on the floor to end the game. Um, honestly, I I know me and you, Armani, are are high on Malik Beasley, and I think that he's going to be one of those guys eventually. I know he comes off the bench, which is a great role for him right now, but I, I also think that he needs to be a finisher. And then uh, Clarkson, uh, I mean, 
you saw tonight, he's so cold almost the whole night. He had 13 points until the third quarter they showed. And then in the fourth quarter, he has 15. So I feel like you can't ever count out Jordan Clarkson. So there's there's three guys that can get you a bucket in my mind. Lowry, Jordan, and Beasley with the way that he shoots. Um, and then if you've got Conley in there kind of running things and he's open, he can hit a shot. And then Olenek, Vanderbilt. I feel like if you need defense, it's it's to me kind of a beautiful thing that we have so many different options on how to close uh, to to also keep the other team off yeah. balance a little yeah. bit. Can I jump in really here really quick? So go for it. No, so while I do, I would if if we could have a starting, uh, not necessarily a starting lineup, but like a finishing lineup where we know who's going to be on the floor and they're going to close it out for us, get it done. That'd be great. However, our point, and I think to your point is I'm okay with not knowing who is going to be hot and who's going to pull it out on us because we, because the other team doesn't know who's going to go off and go. And like they thought, Oh, it either is going to be, marketing or jc or beasley like it could be any one of these guys we don't know we're just gonna have to keep playing defense but that i think is the beauty of it is nobody knows who's going to be it because the the guys are just talented enough i feel like that will hardy just kind of reads the room and raise so far as reading who is on fire and ready to get mismatched and whatnot and they just go out and play and make plays yeah I, 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 I'm right there with you because, like, <clears throat> in the NFL, if if a running back is hot, like, they keep feeding him the ball. And to me, a good coach is able to to know who's hot and, and what you need at that point. And I think Will Hardy has done that up to this point, and that's why we're in the number one seed in the Western Conference right now because he's able to pull strings like that. Um, I also think that if a player like Malik Beasley has that hot of a game and then he doesn't finish, that's really demotivating to a player. Like, you know, he, I'm out here busting my ass for the team. Uh, I, I'm the leading scorer. I'm on fire shooting above 50% basically. And I'm, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be able to finish because, you know, Mike Conley's a veteran or whatever. And uh, so, yeah. I don't think that we need to know that yet, uh, especially because we're winning. Colin, I see that you're you're here from South Carolina. Oh, well, just to, uh, my my pressing issue is not the closing lineup. I don't necessarily care about the closing lineup. I, I feel like what, whoever's hot, that's cool. But my thing is, in the middle of the game, we have we have these weird lines. It's not weird. It's not weird lineups, but these lineups that don't work. Yeah. In the, in, in the spots that they're being used, and then we lose a lead, and the offense gets stale. I don't like it's just like there's nobody who gets the ball, and we can just be like, all right, cool, great. Sometimes that, that, that's but, a fair point. That's yeah, that's what that's why I really was alluding to not the not the closing line. Yeah, yeah, and like, I think, gotcha, noticed, that's go ahead. Point. Which yeah, no, I I noticed the switch tonight where uh, coach was playing marketing with more of the backups, just to. Uh, give the more of an offense i mean they were great tonight so not to take away from what they were doing but well and they noticed that we were experimenting more with having some of the starters with some of the backups there, there was a point where lowry and tht were on the court at the same time 
and I believe it was, uh, I want to say Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant setting a screen, and they were switching it every time, and it was like no big deal on whether marketing guarded La- or, uh, Lillard or THT did and vice versa on Jeremy Grant. So that was something that I picked up like, man, that, w- that would be awesome if Taylor Horton Tucker, a bigger guard, can handle the offense but also not give up what Mike Conley's giving up on defense and being able to switch whatever they need because that, that makes it a lot tougher for other teams to try and pick us apart. Um, as you saw last time with Walker Kessler not being able to to switch on any screens um, on the game last night, so uh, yeah, I feel like um, THT is a very very he's a special player. I can't really explain it. Where he's just weird, and um, he 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 plays a great brand of defense that is very versatile. He can guard one. He can pretty much guard one through four. Yeah, not all fours, but some fours. And that switch off between him and Lowry, it makes it good because Lowry is a um, he's a decent perimeter defender, but it, it causes ex- extreme mayhem for like you know smaller guards. And then if it, and and, it, and then if there was a switch off to where there was a big, Lowry could easily he can you know he can somewhat handle a big, unless it's like you know a, a bruiser he can handle the big. So it's like a, it's it's a great I like I like how that look I like that that. Whatever um, chemistry they have together, I like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's going to be fun moving forward, especially with with different matchups that we have. Um, Tanner, I know that you just requested. I want to try and go to Colin first in South Carolina. Uh, Colin, yeah. you need to request first, but so yeah, let's go to Tanner and then. Sorry. No, I was just saying Jazz Tunes raised his hand. I don't know if he's wanted to Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't know if yeah. you were waving Jazz Tunes or, or raising your hand, but go ahead and request if you want to speak. We're going to go over to Tanner real quick, and then Colin, uh, if you request or want to speak, uh, we'll hit you up next. So, Tanner, welcome, man. <clears throat> uh, I don't even know the score of the Utes game. I was trying to pay attention, but... <clears throat> you're, not mi- you're not missing much. It's the Utes are losing. Dang it. All right. Well, let's, no, it's tied now. Yeah. No, uh, it, is it oh, really? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. 17, yeah. 17. Yeah, it's tied. I oh, just shoot. Up the score just now. All right, well, uh, let's talk Jazz, and then maybe if if they win, we'll talk Utes. If not, we'll just we'll bypass it. <laughs> so two things. You guys can hear me, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. First, I feel like the main weakness of this team, and I can't even describe – I, I can't figure out why, but we are so bad in transition defense. Awful. We give up so many three pointers wide open in transition and layups. And that's, I feel like that comes down to effort. I know we're not super athletic, but if we could clean that up, I really think we could improve a lot. I think it's a mix between effort and communication because I, I think there was one. Um, I think there's one uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to describe this. There was like a, a camera angle where it caught coach Hardy on the sideline, coaching the guys. And I could definitely make out coach um, using his hands, doing like a, a duck, like talks uh, signal. And I'm uh-huh. like, yes, they need to talk. They need to communicate. And I feel like, especially on transition D that's a, the big, not, I mean, obviously defense in general is where you obviously talk, but 
especially in transition defense, it's uh, somebody calls out who has the ball, who has who, and match up very quickly. Um, and even if you're behind the ball, you still have to call out and say, hey, I got this guy or whatever it is, and they're just not communicating. Yeah, that's that's it's pretty frustrating watching our transition defense. Um, the other thing, this might be an unpopular opinion, but Kelly Olenek bugs me. I just wish <laughs> he would. I wish he would focus on playing basketball instead of trying to draw fouls all the time. And like the last two nights, Hardy has taken him out in the closing lineup because, I mean, to be honest. I know his plus minus has been good, but he's been really bad the last two games, I've thought. Yeah, I wanted to hit on that too because, like, I agree with you with the flopping. And I think he's almost got a reputation around the league where there are fouls that he's not getting, but he flops so much that they don't know whether or not to call it or not. Yeah, he flails way too much. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And so, like, there's times where, yeah, it's a foul and it should have been called, but I understand why they don't call it because it's like, dude, if maybe if you cut your hair, it wouldn't look like you're flopping as much. I don't know. <laughs> Uriah Faber, when he was getting knocked out, he talked about that. He would always put his hair in cornrows because he, he said the judges would judge the, the fights wrong because he felt like every time he got hit, his hair would bounce and so he ended up putting it in cornrows, and and maybe uh, Kelly needs a new look with those cornrows. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Kelly bugs too. Um, he if he's not hitting shots, it, it's it's hard to watch, honestly. And yeah. he's just kind of undersized too. With with Nurkic, it's like man, toughen up. Uh, and I, I mean, Lori guards center. Well, way well, well, than well wait, does. wait, because uh, see, I watch some Portland games. I watch a lot of Portland games because one of my friends is a, a Portland fan. Nurkic, Nurkic fouls all game. Oh yeah, he 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 had so many offensive fouls, but I, I just don't think they're gonna call it for a yeah, minute. That that shit that shit right there is crazy. Yeah, he's <laughs> a dirty player, dude. Yeah, he's super dirty. Well, and Olenek got smart enough and finally took a charge on one of them, but it's like, dude, you got to time that stuff perfectly. Yeah, because the rest don't really give you those type of favors. So yeah. Just, uh... Well, um, we've got next we are heading to uh, the Clippers again, and then we're back home to play Detroit, which <laughs> we said with the uh, the Wizards that it should be an easy win. And the Knicks, so uh, hopefully. But Bogey's coming back. So I know. Probably, he's probably gonna. Have He'll a go off. He'll have his career night. <laughs> um, Colin said. Colin says sitting this one out tonight. Just gonna listen for a little one a.m. Yeah, don't blame you, being in South Carolina. And then Reddit Utah Jazz says because we are the best offensive rebounding team in the NBA. Is that true? Are we? I think I know we're up there. I think I think, I think we are. I think we. I feel like between no, we, we, I Vanderbilt. Think we have best, um, I think we're number one in second chance points. Okay. I think I think he's probably right. Between V eight Vanderbilt and and uh, Kessler here and there, and then Marketin, uh, okay. all those guys are. This is. I think I've counted more offensive rebounds from this team, probably times ten maybe than the last probably what three years three seasons of teams well and and that uh to kind of hit on that point that could be a reason why we're so bad in transition i was just about to say that 
Yeah, co- coach could be putting yeah, an emphasis on on uh, you know offensive rebounding, getting second chance points, and kind of kind of taking his chances on getting back on defense. Yeah, because if you the the corners crash. Yeah. So if the corners crash, who's going to get back on the defense besides you know you, it's usually the two guards at the top and they're not stopping them. Mike Conley and, J- and JC or or um. Or Colin Sexton is not stopping a fast break. Yeah. And and uh I think I, I noticed a little bit of a difference, uh THT picking the ball up early. I think Mike Conley has to be able to do that to help our transition defense. And I think that he's still used to last year's team where, you know, we really didn't crash the offensive boards that hard, maybe one guy. And so um my thought is Mike Conley might just out of habit be dropping back. And uh, I noticed THT when he was in the transition defense looked a little bit better and he was picking the ball up uh, beyond half court, like immediately once they got it. And I think that just slows down um, the fast break for the other team. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, if Mike Conley comes back or if THT kind of takes over. I also feel like Malik Beasley could could actually run the point guard if we had to, but also like uh, uh, kind of like two guard, you know, THT and Malik Beasley, either one of them could run the point. What do you guys think? Uh, I think George Clarkson more than Beasley. Yeah. 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 And those are the last, th- those are the three guards in at the end, you know, that can handle the ball and, r- and run the offense if needed. So that's, that's a luxury. Yeah, Actually, okay. I really like THT at point guard. Cause I mean, we all know his weakness is he can't shoot. But if you put the ball in his hands, um, then they have to guard him. And they can't sag off of him and help in the paint. So I do like THT at point guard. And he's big enough that he can bully smaller guards and finish around the rim. Yeah. He's... Well, that's why it looks so good off the bench. That's exactly why it looks so good off the bench. Because him and Colin Sexton, they, Sexton is a speed. And THT is just brute force yeah. going, going on the street line. Sometimes he do miss wide open layups because of that, but it's like, like, I'm not going to complain. It's like, all right, cool. Because, you know, if that happens one time, the next time the defense is going to crash down, he can kick it to the corner. So I'm not going to complain about it. (laughs) Yeah. And honestly, I feel like THT is almost a a Darren Williams in the making. Um, I know his shooting may not be the best, but he has hit those three pointers, the, the step backs and, he can hit a shot if he and create his own shot. The thing I really like about THT is he just plays under control. Um, so if you need someone more like Mike Conley to, to keep you under control, he's a great option. Um, what do you guys think about Sexton? Because it just seems like he's in a tailspin right now. Like, is he going to be able to figure it out? Are we going to? He's still figuring it out. He's definitely still figuring it out. I don't oh, yeah. know. I, and I'm honestly, I've been wondering. If he's gonna have a breakout game at any point, and just if it's just gonna click all of a sudden, he'll figure it out, and just he just gets it and goes, or if this is gonna be a gradual process. And I'm I'm leaning more towards gradual process, but I I I don't know. What exactly are y'all looking for from Sexton though? Well, so I guess the the big thing in my mind. Sorry, I think I'm getting sick. Um, the big thing in my mind is he had that that game against Denver where he had two big buckets. Uh, against Jokic he had one he's a little step back 
at the free throw line, and then he attacked Jokic and scored. And so, in my mind, it's like, all right, like, yeah, to me, it was like, all right, like, Sexton, like, he's going to be back in his old form, scoring 25 points a game. And um, I guess I'm disappointed in everything altogether. To me, defensively, he, he, I thought he would be more dominant defensively, but then offensively, he just seems out of control all the time. He's never been a good defender. (laughs) <laughs> it looks good. It looks good. It looks good on tape the way he moves. He too much on for, for me, for me personally, I felt like Mike Conley would take him, would really take Con, uh, Colin under his wing and show him to be like, hey, this is when you need to be calm. This is when you need to be aggressive. And just kind of show him those very veteran um, looks and how to approach things. And I just don't feel like Colin's really got it yet so or maybe if he has got it he hasn't showed us that he's got it maybe that's why he's the young bull he's just too bullheaded young so bull very, very <laughs> still bullheaded but um he he needs a, a sponsorship with red bull <laughs> i was at the jazz game last night and against the suns and i saw multiple times where sex and drives and just misses guys open and immediately after the play, he would like grab his head or, you know, he, he realizes that he's missing guys, but it's just not in his nature to be passed first. And so I think we all expected when we made that trade, I mean, we all knew that he averaged 24 in a season with the Cavs. So we probably thought he would do that for the jazz, but in reality, he like Conley is good for him, but he needs to be playing next to a big point guard that way he can just go right. forward and yeah. not have to worry about any of the point guard duties because reality is he is not a very good passer. Yeah. Well, that's why they call him young bull. Once he, once he gets the, the, the hoop in his sights, he's, he's gone. He ain't yeah. looking for anybody else. That's what a bull does, man. Well, the one thing that <laughs> he did a couple times to, tonight. The one out. thing that everybody needs to really just like hone in is that it takes about five years to really see where a player is at his game. And he only played, and really just injured. about three yeah. seasons, and within the last two seasons, he's only played about 28, 29 games. So he just needs some time to really just figure some of these things, some of these things out. The passing, I don't, I don't know. I think it's going to take him another like two years to figure that out. Two decades. <laughs> <laughs> like he well, won't we'll have on the next season. He, he will learn how to pack, how to kick out on the corner, or, you know, have a little bit more patience when he get to the mid range. And <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what. I love Sexton, but at the same time, he, uh, I don't know. He's just like, he's one of those players where I, I look at him and he's just like, uh, yeah, he brings a lot to the table scoring-wise, but he makes a lot of boneheaded plays on on, yeah. on, on, on offense sometimes. And then on defense, he's, he's a little bit too aggressive to where the point where it looks great and it, it sometimes it causes mayhem, but sometimes he overplays it and then, and then there's um an extra kick that happens and then he's out of place and then... Look, I'm just asking him to shift down in gear. Like he's always in in the top gear. Like you don't even have to shift down to the third gear. Like just if just you ask him to do that, we won't get as many fouls as we get. Because he, that's the thing. That's the thing that he does bring to the table is that he gets to the line, and we don't have enough players who get to the line. Yeah. Hey, we've got we've got like 17 guests in here. If you guys want to speak, go ahead and request. We've got Taj in here uh, that's been requesting. So. Uh, Tajan, I'm going to give the mic over to you. Tell us if you think that we're idiots or that we're really smart. 
What's up, guys? What up, man? Hey, um, speaking of, I was just going to add about uh, about Sexton. Um, it looked like earlier in the year, um, he was closing out games with uh, him and Clarkson. I was thinking it was, was going to be between them two, you know, as far as like our go-to guys. And then recently, it looks like we've got Beasley has been playing really well. Um and of course, marketing, but I, I feel like Sexton now he's kind of like in that no man's land because I feel like he doesn't know where his role is right now. Because Horton Tucker is now, he looks like he's going to be the point guard, like running the point, like for the second unit. And now with Conley out, he'll, you know, he should be running the first unit. So I don't know where Sexton's going to fit in. Uh, I felt like earlier in the season when he got onto this team, I thought he was kind of trying to prove. Uh, trying to kind of, you know, put his mark on the team to show that he was going to be the guy yeah. on the team. And I don't think it's working out for him right now. He's he's kind of playing like he's trying to, like, prove himself. He wants to sort of, like, you know, be that guy that he was in Cleveland when he was scoring 24 points a game. But I don't know. Right now it's looking like we'll, we'll see how it goes with Conley being out him how they're going to shuffle this rotation and how's he going to be included. But, I mean... At this rate, I don't know. I mean, he could be we could be looking to offload him if Beasley keeps playing the way he is. So yeah, and, think about offloading. Yeah, I, I so yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> um, the thing with Colin, I I feel like there's a spot for him on this team and something to do. Um, I I remember him saying that he feels like he's a starter and. Maybe he was trying to prove that he's better than than Mike Conley or some something to, to that degree, and it hasn't worked out for him. So he's almost pressing the situation and and trying to force things more than he was in the beginning of the season. That's that's ultimately probably how I feel right now is that he's just he's forcing everything. Um, and defensively, I you can do that, but offensively, like man, you got to slow down and and see what your team's doing and and what the defense is doing and he just doesn't do that young bull at his finest but um i know i I don't know if i want to bring this topic back up but the john collins i i kind of i was just about to ask about that yeah i i i I was i mean i kind of went down the rabbit hole today on john collins and man i i can't help but think he would be such an upgrade to vanderbilt would you guys be willing to trade Colin Sexton and Jared Vanderbilt for John Collins? Because I actually no, haven't thought no, about that. No. 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 Yes. I would do it. Absolutely. I would do it personally. Yeah. I would. I, I would pull. I would pull the trigger on that tonight. Who is saying no? John Collins is a Kelly Olynyk. I'm, I'm saying no because I won't. I, I can't, I'm not giving up both. But you're gonna have to give up two players, or you're gonna have to give up. Ooh. Well, okay, yeah, okay. So five. I think Rudy, to me, is automatically in it. It so it would actually be Vanderbilt, Rudy, and Sexton, or Vanderbilt, Rudy, and draft picks. Yeah, I don't either. But he's one that I I'm would uh, because be. I think they will want shooting. Yeah. Can we put Olenek in it instead? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. But then, but ah, oh, man. <laughs> As long as we get Miles Turner. The, the, the lineups get funky if we give Olenek up. Yeah, that's what I... I John Collins can play center. 
I mean, no, 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 no. I believe, I believe so too. I just don't know about the bench. Uh, yeah, you've still got know. Kessler. I just feel like we'd be undersized with him at center. But so I guess the league's trend is to have guys that are all on the outside. I get it. So yeah. I guess the I other question is: Do you guys feel like there is going to be a John Collins trade? I know that the Suns were interested in him. Also, do you think they have more to deal or want him worse than the Jazz? Is he trade eligible? They right? would. Fuck, I feel like they'll fuck up their team if they do that. So I don't think they're gonna pull that. Who? Phoenix. Yeah, I think the Suns. Yeah. 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 I think. I think. Phoenix, yeah. I think. I don't or, think Phoenix just, take that chance. Have to wait until uh, until the trade deadline. Yeah. Well, yeah, my think, thought with yeah, Phoenix was they've got Jay Crowder basically in exile. Maybe they're willing to trade Jay Crowder and draft picks or something for Collins. I don't know if that works. Possibly, I don't think Atlanta was but, uh, possibly, but I don't know how that's going to work. Phoenix being so good, just putting John Collins back in the same situation that he was that he's in right now, because DeAndre Ayton doesn't really help, and Clint Capella's better than DeAndre Ayton. I mean, to me, John Collins is the same player as Vanderbilt wingspan, length, but he's better offensively, and I'd rather. I mean, with this off offensive minded team, I I'd rather have offense because I don't think. I will say that Vanderbilt. Brings a defensive pressure on guards that we don't have. Is Vanderbilt healthy? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> he, he likes to play crash all game, all game yeah. so I don't. I can't really tell you if he's healthy or not. He just likes to run into people. <laughs> the do have some wing players that maybe the Hawks would like. I don't know. Vanderbilt reminds me of one of those guys that's just so athletically gifted that that's why yeah. he's in the league because he's not smart. He's not a good shooter. He he just he's athletically you know, gifted. Uh, Did you guys see him smack Nick Lillard for no reason? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like I'm watching the game. I'm like, oh, I'm like, bro, why? Yeah, just the fouls that he why picks up, like like, like this? the one at the end where he fouls the guy at half court. Uh, Josh Hart sweeps underneath his arms and fouls him at half court and gets two shots. It's like. Bro, it's fun that he's this aggressive, but at the same time, it's just like, yeah. I did, I did see JC smack Josh Hart in the face. So, <laughs> <laughs> so question, guys. Yeah. About John Collins, it, I mean, salary wise, you could do Olenek and um, Rudy Gay, or you could do like Olenek and Nikhil Alexander Walker or something like that. How if let's say you don't give up one of our younger guys like Vanderbilt or Sexton, how many picks do you think you'd have to include to, to get John Collins? Because yeah, if it's I, if I, it's I, Olenek, Rudy Gay, and one pick, I mean, you do that in a second. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: is, is that okay? Y'all, the, the Hawks. You got to think about the leverage of the Hawks. They don't use John Collins correctly. No. So they can't really pull on the fact that oh yeah, we need we need. A big package. They can't do that. He, does, he He's not playing well. So they can't ask for an extremely big package. So I think a, a Kelly Olenek or Rudy Gay, it may be a first, but I really, I really would like to say a second. I think that should suffice. Yeah, I do think that we overvalue John Collins quite a bit. So, <laughs> if, if John Collins was going to get traded for that little, he would have been traded by now. Yeah, but if we if we uh, see if Phoenix is our option, Phoenix is only offering Jake Crowder and in a, in a, maybe a first round pick. Yeah, it's true. They're they're comparable deals depending on if they like Kelly Olynyk slash. At least you get two shooters out of that situation. 
which yeah. is what they need. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the player that the Hawks would be most interested in is on Linux because he's a big guy that can shoot. Right. Yeah, he'd be really good with Trey Young. Yeah. He'll be very good with Trey Young, with, Deont- with Deontay Murray, and he could space out for Quentin Pellet. So it's just like, yeah. Well, we've got uh, quite a full uh, space in here. We've, we have some new listeners that I don't recognize. Mike running on a track, Dumpster Fire, Ryan, uh, someone with a bunch of Jerry Sloan pictures. Let's see, Pick and Roll, parody account. Uh, Mark Seguin with some snowboarding and Donovan Mitchell in the middle. If any of you guys want to speak, we would love to hear from you. JC Drip. You've been real quiet tonight. Usually you speak. Do you do you have anything that you want to say? <clears throat> and then we've also got don't I won't miss you. JFA, Jazz Fans, Pedal Faster Sue. I recognize you in here. And Sandy Millennia. You've been you've been coming uh quite regularly. Do you do you just come to listen to us so that you can laugh in the background or do you have any hot takes? So, uh, looking at the box score, before the game, I said I really wanted us to keep our turnovers under 15, and we did that tonight with 13. It felt like we didn't. Uh, the, the Portland Trailblazers had 17, and there was another. Oh, they, they actually had five more assists than us, which was surprising to me because um, I feel like we – Usually move the ball pretty well. It seemed like during the first half, uh, Jordan Clarkson was going to give him 15 turnovers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I'm like. It felt like we had the 17 turnovers and they had the 13. But it's like, okay, cool. I'll take it. There was times tonight where Jordan Clarkson gets into the lane and, like, was so hesitant to shoot it. Like, what happened to, to him, you know, last year? He would just pivot so many times and eventually shoot it. Like, is he too tired to do that, or or what? I think he's trying. I think he's just trying to get to the free throw line, trying to see what he can get. I feel like coaches asking him to to like uh, distribute the the ball more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, I mean, he is like the second or first scoring option on our team, especially when um a lot of the times when he and when he gets into that to that um paint area, the restricted area, the restricted area, um. Lowry will cut or or um or Vando. So it's like eh. You might as well you might as well see if you can keep the ball alive and see if you can get the pass. But at the same time, some of those dump balls end up as turnovers anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely think it was an off night, but still he, he scores twenty eight, so it's good to see. Um we're gonna head over to JFA. They just requested to speak, so Let's go. And before I hand the mic over, the Utes just intercepted the ball from the Oregon Ducks, and they're down by three, heading the other way with five minutes to go. So let's go, Utes. Go ahead, JFA. Pedal faster, Sue. You there? Or did she? Oh, there we go. There was a microphone I had to click. <laughs> I've done that the last two episodes where I've been muted for like 15 to 20 minutes, so don't feel bad. 
<laughs> okay, well, this is definitely the first time I've ever done this, so I feel uh, out of sorts, out of place on this. But just, just take a deep breath, and and um, and slow okay, down, and everything will be back. fine. I wanted to go back to your Olenek comments, and I know that lots of people don't like him, and I don't particularly like him. I'm not like big on him by any means but he likes his long hair oh yeah so, so um i think he's a good distraction okay that's fair and i think that he adds an element of like not surprise but of annoyance to other teams yeah to give kind of some of our other guys some good open looks and get kind of like a distracted distract, distraction away from what we're trying to do. Yeah. He, he is a better big man than we've had. So I I'll, will say that I'll agree too. as far as like on the offensive end, he's great for spacing because anytime he gets the ball, they're not sagging off of him, which right. Yeah. It, I could see how it could be a distraction. Like, Hey, we got to get out on the Linux. Because he can hit the three, but then it opens mm-hmm. up something else up for another player. So, yeah, yeah. So I think in that aspect, he's been great. Uh, yeah, he might not be great in other ways, but I, I've uh, I've been glad to have him in some situations. Yeah, like so. that game winner. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a great one. <laughs> he he's a great passing big. I do give you that too. Yeah. Uh, see, this is exactly why I love other people speaking that haven't spoke because it makes you think about things that we just sit and probably say the same thing over and over. But uh, yeah, I totally agree that he could be a distraction, even even being a menace defensively. Um, you know, where where if he's guarding one of their better players, they're wondering if he's going to take a charge or not. So mm-hmm. maybe that's the beauty that Danny o, or Danny Ainge saw in him and why he, he decided to pick him up. I mean, you got to remember we traded, yeah. we traded Bojan basically for, for all Linux. So right. um, that's, a, that's another good question. Would you guys rather have Bojan back or keep Kelly Olenek? Kelly Olenek. Kelly, really? We've already moved on that fast from Bojan. No way. We didn't move on. It's just that, I mean, who's going to replace Kelly on this roster? Yeah. That's a fair point. And I I feel like Bojan just wasn't ever that effective defensively either. Yeah. Agreed. Well, the real question now is, are the are the youths going to be able to pull this off, or are they going to mess the bed like they usually do? Does anybody even care about the youths? I mean, I, I it's, it's kind of exciting. They're ranked number 10 in the nation. I haven't even followed them this year. Cam Rising's awesome. I, I, th- I Yeah, he is pretty awesome. I, I, he's, he's running the ball right now. First and 10. <laughs> One one thing I do want to say about Kelly Olenek. Um, didn't uh, Danny Age, uh, well, not draft him, but wasn't he with the Celtics? Yeah, yeah. So Danny probably has good experience or has history with him. So well, yeah, and that makes sense. He's he's yep. had good games for Boston in the playoffs too. So, um, I feel like he's someone that you can kind of trust. I think Hardy trusts him, and like you said, I bet Danny. Oh. 
Cam just threw an interception. <sighs> Dang it. Um, I feel like Danny trusts him from the Boston days and their their playoff runs. Um Dang it! Now I'm now I'm kind of sad. I don't, I'm I mean I'm not that big of a Utes fan, but come on. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we'll see you guys back on Monday. I'm gonna uh, I'm getting sick. I can already tell. So I'm gonna cut this short. Um, follow us on YouTube as well. I'm. Oh, I was just gonna say. I need a lot more than that. <laughs> Maybe some ivermectin. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, no longer <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've already, I've already done that. Uh, so we are streaming on YouTube now every post game. Uh, so go follow us on there, subscribe, follow us on whatever podcast you listen to. And most importantly, follow us on Twitter because that's how you can speak with us and interact and give great takes on Kelly Olenek and how he's a distraction. Maybe even to the fans. <laughs> so uh, no, they, we welcome you to talk every time. Yeah, talk every time, JFA. Yeah, it, it was great. I I love every every single time we seem like we get someone new in here, and uh, I I actually love when we talk over each other because that just means that we don't agree, and that's the real reason we're here. So uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Go Jazz. Go Jazz. Go Jazz.